Welcome to the Dark Wales Tours podcast. On this podcast, we will explore the vast history of Wales, looking at the myths, legends and ghosts of this magical and mystical country. Wales has been the heart of Britain's supernatural beliefs for many centuries. And on this episode, we will be looking at the hidden old town of Kenfig, its mysterious history and also its tragic end. We will also be looking at two reportedly haunted sites very close by, the Prince of Wales Inn and Scare House. The old town of Kenfig in South Wales has been hidden under the sands for centuries with the only visible piece today being the top of the castle. There are many stories and legends that surround the lost town of Kenfig and its people. One fantastical legend tells of a curse laid down by a vengeful spirit promising to punish the generations of townsfolk in years to come. The legend goes on to fulfil the prophecy when it was said an almighty storm swept over the town of Kenfig, drowning all of its inhabitants and the town in the process. It is said that the bells of the church can still be heard beneath the lake on dark and windy nights. In reality, however, the real fate of Kenfig is somewhat even more tragic. It is a story long to be told, a real gem of Welsh history. The town of Kenfig was once a relatively prosperous trading town, perfectly situated on the coast of South Wales. The town levied its own taxes, made its own laws, even had its own guild hall and a thriving high street with various different traders. The area of Kenfig has seen human inhabitants for almost 4,000 years, with flint flakes being found dating back to the Mesolithic age, suggesting that it was once the location of a thriving flint industry. When the Romans arrived in Wales, they built a villa very close by. But Kenfig really rose to prominence shortly after the Norman conquest. The Normans soon found themselves in what would become known as Wales, taking control of much of the land and the surrounding areas as they fought and tried to subdue the native Welsh. Norman Lord Robert Fitzhamon, who went on to become the Lord of Glamorgan, seized the land of Kenfig and built a Morton Bailey castle to defend and control the area. The castle originally would have been built from wood. However, the Welsh would not go quietly. They attacked and raided the settlement on numerous occasions over the centuries, burning it down more than once. This forced the Normans to continually rebuild after each attack and was the reason the castle structure was then converted to stone, using materials from the ruined Roman villa nearby. Numerous notable names from Welsh history are known to have led attacks on the settlement during the failed uprising to overthrow the Norman settlers. Llewellyn Apgraffeth, otherwise known as Llewellyn the Last, grandson of Llewellyn the Great, laid siege to Kenfig in the 13th century. Ultimately, Llewellyn was defeated by Edward I, who claimed Llewellyn's title of Prince of Wales for his own son and heir. It is even thought that the forces of the legendary Owen Glyndwr, the leader of the last great Welsh uprising, 
attacked the Kempfe Castle in the early 15th century, although this is not known for certain. The Burgesses of Kenfig were also in an almost constant battle with the monks of Margam, and then later the Mansell and Talbot families of Margam. The disputes were over land rights, which the Margam estate claimed were rightfully theirs, even though the land itself fell into the jurisdiction of Kenfig. The battle followed the descendants of Kenfig and Margam and was only ended to a court ruling in 1971. In the end, however, it wasn't armies and soldiers or curses or magic that brought about the ultimate demise of Kemfig, but the all-powerful force of nature itself. A combination of great storms, prevailing winds and overgrazing of the land brought drifting sands which made life extremely unpleasant and difficult for the villagers. As years went by, the encroaching dunes meant more and more villagers decided to relocate rather than suffer the unpleasant conditions. Even by 1457, when Glamorgan came into the hands of Richard at Neville, the Earl of Warwick, known to history as the Kingmaker, by then the sands had already become a danger to the town. Plans were made by Warwick himself to start to move the town further inland to a site just outside of Pyle. By the time of Warwick's death at the Battle of Barnet in 1471, the only building that had been moved was the church. This church still stands at Pyle Cross, being built upside down, with the bricks from the base at the original site now supporting the roof. By the end of the 15th century, Kenfig was a mere ghost town with the relentless sand drifts continuing to bury more and more of the town as time went by, until very little was to remain. By the reign of Queen Elizabeth I, it was decided to create a new town of Kenfig, and therein lies the origin of the present town. Part of the original stone castle remains today, protruding from the sand almost in a sign of defiance, as if to remind the world not to forget the story of this town and its people. There have also been many strange and wonderful things found by locals and professionals under the sand dunes of Kenfig, ranging from old coins to World War II tanks. In 2012, the Channel 4 programme Time Team were asked if they could excavate Kenfig and see if they could find the houses and streets which would enable people to be able to properly map out the medieval town. During their three days at the site, they unearthed one of the best-preserved medieval roads in the country. They also found evidence that the Anglo-Norman people of Kemfig, constantly under attack from the Welsh, were reluctant to build their houses outside the protective bailey of the castle, so instead they built their houses on top of older buildings. They even found an example of a house built on top of a rubbish tip. It is even said the locals themselves would bury their potentially valuable finds in the sands to avoid the authorities. In March 1940, there was a shipwreck off the coast in the Bristol Channel. The ship Cato hit a mine and sank, with 13 out of a 15-man crew losing their lives. The cargo of this ship soon found its way into the waters and started to float ashore. This cargo included 1,500 casks of Guinness, which amount to around 56 gallons of the beverage. Due to the high volume of the cargo and the fact 
that a find like this would not stay secret for long. The authorities were quickly dispatched to retrieve the casks of Guinness before the locals got their hands on them. The officials requisitioned a building in Puthcall in order to store the barrels that they found at the beach. However, the workers of the building soon found out what the officials were storing, and then one day, when it was time for them to go home, they were all found next to the empty barrels, extremely intoxicated. These workers were not the only locals who got their hands on these barrels. The isolation of Kenfig made it the perfect place for the locals to bury any barrels they found themselves, to hide them from the officials in the hopes of retrieving them in the dead of night. Due to the shifting sands and constant movement of the dunes, some unfortunate locals buried their prize only never to be able to find it again. Some even say there are still barrels of Guinness buried in the Kenfig sand dunes to this very day. However, many locals say that the majority of the cargo was spirited away by the army men who were stationed at Margam not too far away. Another strange object that the locals claim is still buried somewhere in the sand dunes along with the old town is a World War II tank. Some actually say there may even be four or five buried within the dunes and the surrounding area. There is actually a local legend that says during World War II the military was seen driving tanks around the sand dunes of Kenfig. It was said one of the tanks then got stuck, as did the other two tanks that went to rescue it. As the tide was rising, the three tanks were abandoned and left to the mercy of the Kenfig sands. The beach at Kenfig is very similar to the beaches of Normandy, as both sites have sand that covers a layer of sticky type of clay. When you add this fact to the local tale of witnesses seeing the tanks on the sands and also all the different finds at Kenfig, it all seems to add up to a top secret exercise done during World War II, to practice and prepare for the D-Day landings using Kenfig as a trial Normandy beach. There are also some locals who say there is another tank buried nearby at Scare. This tank is said to have belonged to the Americans who were stationed at Kenfig and stationed within the Margam estate. This tank was used by the Americans for practice, like that of the British counterparts. However, when they were called upon to play their part for the D-Day landings, it was said that they left the tank behind. The story goes they dug a deep pit into the dunes, drove the tank in and it was never seen again. Could this be another local legend that has been passed down through the generations? Or could the dunes have a secret still to be revealed? Only time will tell. There are also many accounts of some strange phenomena experienced by these same soldiers as they were stationed in Margam Castle. During the nights, as the men were sleeping in one of the bedrooms, they were often awoken by a bright orange light floating up the staircase and moving along the corridors. The men reported that the light also came with a great feeling of unease. The men all agreed that there was something very evil about this light. It scared the men so much that as soon as the light floated past the doorway, all of them fled the house and refused to ever go back in there at night. They spent the rest of their time in the orangery, a short distance away from the castle, refusing to spend another night in the castle. This strange orange ball of light has been seen in Margam Castle 
countless times over the years, always accompanied with an overwhelming feeling of unease and terror. What this light could be has been hotly debated over the years, from some sort of mass delusion to the spirit of a vengeful murder victim. Over the years, many people have found evidence of the human occupation of Kenfig. The Kenfig Historical Society have found over 6,000 pieces of pottery. The Kenfig sand dunes are today a thriving nature reserve. This status means that the area is protected from harmful changes and that its features are safeguarded by careful management of pressures created by the public use of the site. Kenfig is a popular open space for locals, but also an attractive beauty spot for visitors with lots of beauty and wildlife. A famous mantra of take nothing but photographs, leave nothing but footprints, and kill nothing but time has never been more fitting. It also outlines that the need to care for and protect Kenfig, the dunes, the wildlife, and of course the treasure, is still extremely important to the descendants and inhabitants of the old town of Kenfig. Kenfig is a treasure trove of history, a story of war and peace, of conquer and rebellion, and a reminder to us that even today, that the battles we choose to fight and the wars that rage on through the centuries are no match for the forces of nature which show no mercy. The sands of time will always prevail. We have other reminders all around this area of the steeped history and importance this part of the world has played in Welsh history. The Prince of Wales pub, not too far from where the original castle once stood, still stands to this day, having once been used as the town hall. The Prince of Wales Inn has been supplying hospitality and alcohol to the people of Kenfig and Maudlam for over 250 years. It was originally built to be the town hall for the borough of Kenfig, after the old town hall was buried along with the town of Kenfig itself. This was where town meetings were held and where local civil cases and inquests were heard. The trustees of the Kenfig Corporation property who owned the building continued to hold their meetings here in the town hall. There are also records of schools being held here from as early as the 1670s, with Sunday schools meeting in the inn right up until 1999. It is also within the Prince of Wales where the local Kenfig population would hold various celebrations that were once held in the old town hall of Kenfig. These celebrations included the annual Mabsant, the annual holiday celebrations to the local patron saint which was usually held in November. It was during one of these parties within the inn that Elizabeth Williams, the infamous Maid of Scare, met her lover and this is discussed in more detail later in the episode. The room where these meetings were held is on the first floor, above the bar area, and it is in this room that there have been many strange tales of paranormal activity. What has been experienced there more than anything else are strange sounds. Within this room, there was once a large organ. Even the various owners over the years have heard the strange sounds coming from the room in the dead of night. Sounds of tapping and of organ music. In the 90s, the owner at the time reported locking up one evening and settling down with his wife, when all of a sudden they both heard the sound of the organ. Thinking that someone had broken in and was messing around, the owner walked outside and up the stairs 
that led to this room. As he reached the door, he found it was still locked, which was strange as there was no other way anybody could get inside. This was the only way you could enter. Still hearing the organ music coming from inside, he put the key in the lock, unlocked the door and entered. He was greeted by pitch black quietness. The organ music ceased as soon as he opened the door. There was no sign of anybody in the room. In the following days, he told his story to some of the locals, two of which decided they would try to capture these sounds so the owner's story would be believed. They set up various recording devices inside the room and left them through the night. The following morning, they retrieved the devices and played them back. And upon hearing the organ music on the device, the men decided to do even more investigating. They found that the walls were actually made of silica, which is the same thing that is used in tape players. This led them to the theory that the walls had actually acted as some kind of recording device, recording the sound of the organ during the many years that the Sunday school service had been meeting there. There is, of course, a paranormal theory that is often referred to as the stone tape theory or the atmospheric echo. This says that we all, as human beings, release energy, and it is said this energy has to go somewhere, into the walls, fixtures, fittings, or directly into the ground itself, where it sits and waits, acting as a sort of charged battery, gathering more energy as the years go by. And then, under certain conditions, some people say certain weather conditions may trigger this, certain people may have the ability to trigger it, these energies then are discharged, and in doing so, replay the sounds and in some cases the sites when the energies were originally captured. This theory could also explain when people think they see ghosts. They are not seeing ghosts in the traditional sense. They are instead seeing a playback from a scene long ago captured by the walls of the building they are in, or captured by the furniture, or as I say, by the very ground itself. There are cases of the atmospheric echo from all over the country. It is not just in the Prince of Wales where people have seen and heard events of the past replaying themselves. Within the grounds of St. Fagan's National Museum of History, there have been reports of people hearing the cries of men, gunfire, cannons going off and the sound of charging horses. This could be another example of an echo being absorbed into the ground, as it was on the land that the museum is built that in 1648 the Battle of St. Fagans took place. This battle was part of the English Civil War and was one of the last great battles in Wales, being a decisive victory for Oliver Cromwell and the Parliamentarians. Such a mighty battle would have left an imprint in the ground, and over the years many people have reported hearing the replayed sounds of the battle. There is also a similar story from Margam Abbey within the grounds of Margam Castle. During the Second World War, there was a lady all alone in the church. She was sat in one of the pews praying when all of a sudden she was overcome with the sense that she was no longer alone. She opened her eyes to see a man in a monk's robe walking through the pews and turned the corner disappearing as he got to the wall. The lady was terrified and ran out of the church as fast as she could. The lady said that even though she was scared at the sight of the figure, she was sure the figure wasn't aware of her and was just floating past, almost like she was just witnessing a scene, a memory from long ago. With a lady saying 
the figure had no awareness of her or the pews it was floating through does suggest this was indeed an echo of the past. During the monk's time in Margam, there would have indeed been no pews in the location of the current church, so there is no wonder that he just seemed to move and float through them. In the case of the Prince of Wales, this theory seems to have been confirmed, albeit by science, that the walls have acted as a recording device and the building has absorbed the sounds viewers gone by. It is worth noting that when the room was refurbished and a carpet was put on the floor, fewer people have reported hearing these phantom noises. Could it be that by covering up the wooden floor and repainting the walls that the trapped energy and sounds have also been covered up and are unable to break through? But it is not only inside the building that strange things have been experienced. There are stories of ghostly happenings from outside of the inn as well. One particular night, after the bar had closed, the owner and his wife took their seats by the fireplace to have one quick drink before they retired to bed. All of a sudden, they heard the sound of a horse's hooves on the road outside, accompanied by the wheels of a carriage pulling up into the car park. Confused, they looked out of the window, and they were staggered to see a coach and horses by the front door. Immediately, they found this very strange. The doors of the carriage opened and they said they saw a lady wearing old-fashioned clothes get out and head to the door of the inn. Somewhat unnerved, the owner went to the door so he could call out that they were closed and try to find out what was going on. He waited, but there was no knock. Silence. Nothing happened. Eventually, the owner opened the front door to find the car park was completely empty. There was no sign of a coach or horses or anybody having arrived. Could the couple have witnessed a replayed memory of a long dead customer arriving to the inn? Or could they have witnessed an actual spirit returning to somewhere that held an important part in their hearts when they were alive? Or could it simply be a joint delusion brought on by spirits of another kind? Another historic building that has added to the haunted legacy of this area is Scare House. Scare House lies between Kenfig and Pothcall. It is an infamous house with a mysterious history. Many stories have been written of the ghosts that are said to reside within Scare House. The house itself is built from a grange that was used by the monks of Neath Abbey. Neath monks were part of the Cistercian Order who believed the best way to serve God was to work and farm the land. Aside from a barn and other farm buildings, the Grange would have included accommodation for the monks, and also, given the distance from Neath Abbey, a chapel for daily monastic services. After the dissolution of the monasteries, Scare came into the hands of Richard Williams, who soon sold it to Christopher Turberville. In the 16th century, Jenkin Turberville substantially rebuilt the house and added more floors and new wings. After the Turbervilles left Scare House, it was held in various hands, including once being owned by the Margam Estate. During these years, the house fell into disrepair and was neglected, with the South Wing subsequently collapsing. Eventually, it was sold to a private owner, and today it is currently lived in as a private family home. One of the most famous ghost stories from Scare House is the story of the Maid of Scare. The story says that there was a tenant of Scare House 
called Isaac Williams, who had a daughter, Elizabeth. Elizabeth was known to be a beautiful and lively young woman who was very popular in the community. She would always be found dancing at the annual Mabsant held in the Kenfig Town Hall, of course now the Prince of Wales. It was at one of these celebrations that Elizabeth met a young harpist called Thomas Evan, and the two immediately fell in love. Unfortunately, Thomas was a humble carpenter, and Isaac would never allow his daughter to marry so far beneath her. So when he found out about the couple, he was furious and forbade his daughter from seeing Thomas again. However, Elizabeth and Thomas knew they were in love and carried on a secret relationship. As the months went by, it became clear to the both of them that the only way they could be together was to run away and elope. In the dead of night, Thomas hired a coach and horse to take them both away. However, he rode too close to the house and alerted the family dogs, which woke Isaac and the rest of the household. In a panic, Thomas sped off into the night. Isaac knew at once what was going on and decided the only way he could prevent his daughter from going against him was to lock her up in the house at night and only allowed her out in the garden with a trustworthy escort. Even after this harsh treatment, Elizabeth refused to give up her love of Thomas, so Isaac settled on an even worse punishment. He married her off to a different Thomas, Thomas Kirkhouse from Neath. Their marriage is recorded on the 9th of September 1766, and they went on to live in Britain Ferry in an extremely unhappy marriage. It wasn't long, however, until Thomas Evan found Elizabeth and often played his harp in various pubs and parties in the vicinity of her home. When Elizabeth learnt of his presence, she would sneak away and listen to him play a song he had written for her, a song that is now known as the Maid of Scare. Eventually, Elizabeth's husband found out and confronted Thomas. A fight broke out and Thomas Evan never saw Elizabeth again. Thomas Evan went on to marry a 19-year-old girl named Catherine Thomas when he was 50 years old, and he went on to father 11 children with her. He died on the 30th of October, 1819, aged 99, and is buried in Newton Church. Elizabeth died and was buried in Llamsamlet on the 6th of January, 1776. It is said that her ghost still haunts Scare House, wandering the halls, waiting for her love to come back and rescue her from her imprisonment. Some even report seeing her wandering the grounds, looking sad and lonely. People have also said, as they have walked past the house, that they have seen her sad face appear in the window of her room where she was held captive. However, in order for this spirit to be Elizabeth, we have to rely on the belief that to haunt somewhere, you don't necessarily have to have died in that place. That the spirit can come back to a place that held an important part in their lives. Places of happiness, or in Elizabeth's case, places of great sorrow. There is another example of this not too far away in Cardiff Castle, as the clock tower is said to be haunted by the spirit of the third Marquis of Butte, even though he died in Scotland. Many people have claimed to have seen his ghost, even on the tours that we conduct there, he has been seen watching from the shadows as we walk through his castle at night. Elizabeth, however, isn't the only spirit to have been reported in and around Scare. Over the centuries, there have been many sightings of a figure described as a sea captain, 
wandering the beaches and fields around Skay House. There have been many shipwrecks over the years around Skay Point, with countless fatalities. These poor souls are said to still wander the beaches and sand dunes calling for help. Another ghostly event that has been reported around the area of Skay is that of the Phantom Funeral. The Phantom Funeral is a vision of a funeral that is soon to take place. A vision that seems to be so real that you're able to recognise who is attending, thus being able to work out who it is that is soon to die. The Phantom Funeral reported at Skay occurred in the middle of the 20th century. A lady was awoken in the middle of the night and when she looked out the window she said she saw figures on the road. Even though it was dark she could see that the figures were carrying a coffin. She assumed they were just transporting the coffin ready for a funeral in the morning. The next day the lady went to the church and asked about what she saw. She was shocked however to discover that not only was there no funeral that day, but no one in the area had died either. After a week one of the lady's friends suffered a heart attack in the same road where the lady had seen the phantom funeral. He died shortly afterwards and his funeral procession followed the exact route that the lady had seen the ghostly figures walking a few weeks earlier. Skay House is a beautiful manor house, sitting in the middle of a romantic setting. However, its beauty only masks a troubling and turbulent past that refuses to rest in peace. Along with the Prince of Wales, both have an incredible history and demonstrate different kinds of ghostly phenomena. The idea that the spirit can live on beyond the bodily death has intrigued us for as long as mankind can remember. Can the spirit come back to watch over loved ones? To revisit those places that were significant in their lives? The mere thought may bring comfort to some or sheer terror to others. Or perhaps could it be, in the case of the Prince of Wales, that every one of our actions somehow are magnetically recorded onto the universe? They exist out there in the ether, energy stored and ready to replay our past moments future generations. As with many things in this world, there are mysteries and phenomena that we will never fully understand. But perhaps future generations down the line hold the key to unlocking these mysteries. So what is your opinion on the lost town of Kenfig, the ghosts of the Prince of Wales and Scare House? If you have your own story to share, on this or any of the other topics in our podcasts, then please email us on darkwales at hotmail.com. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Dark Wales Tours podcast. Please be sure to visit us on www.darkwalestours.co.uk and also check out our Instagram, Facebook and Twitter feeds for news of our tours that we conduct in various locations around Wales and also for news of more episodes of this podcast. Until next time, Diorchen Vaur, thank you very much. The Dark Wales Tours podcast is produced and delivered by Matthew Rose and Luke Alcock, owners of Dark Wales Tours.